Hi, this is James Rousseau, and I would like to welcome you to another edition of The Coiling Solution, where we look to empower you through awareness and actionable insights. Each year, more than 80,000 people face homelessness in the city of Chicago. And not unlike many cities, while there are provisions in place to help, the challenge persists. On this episode, I'm linking up with Tim Jones, who serves as the executive director of Good News Partners, a housing continuum that provides affordable housing to the homeless in Chicago. By way of background, Tim Jones is a thought leader, communicator, and writer, providing influence and perspective on topics such as leadership, organizational health, motivation, and inspiration. He currently keynotes, hosts, and facilitates discussions throughout Chicago and the nation. In summary, Tim is responsible for bringing a message of hope as well as for supplying a physical solution to some of the challenges I mentioned. Sit back, buckle up, and we're about to link up with Tim Jones. Okay, we are here with another edition of the Core Link Solution where we like to bring you some empowerment through awareness and actual insight. I'm pleased to be here with none other than the gentleman himself from Chicago, Mr. Tim Jones. Tim, how you doing, sir? Good, brother. Thank you for having me here. Oh, no, thank you for uh, making making an appearance. Um, again, I, as I told you, Mr. Greg Hanafi, uh, mutual connection we both have here at the Kellogg School of Management. I uh, spoke very highly of you, and then I was really pleased, man. We got on the phone and had a chance to just uh, speak for a few minutes. And for those who don't know Tim, first of all, let me just put this out there. If you go to his website, IamTimJones.com, you can find out all about him. Do that after you listen to um, our dialogue, and, and we'll we'll cover that again at the at the end to make sure we get his website out there so you can check him out. But Tim's a thought leader, communicator, and a writer. He's also the executive director of the Good News Partners. We'll spend some time talking about that. Uh, and he just does a host of things. Um, so I'll shut up for a second. And Tim, why don't we just start with, man, letting you just address the audience and tell them a little bit about your journey and what you're yeah. doing right now. Yeah, first and foremost, thank you, James. Um, I'll shout out Greg at another time, but I appreciate Greg bringing us together. Um, James and I talked about three weeks ago and talked like two old men sitting in the barbershop about uh, some parallels in our story, our matriculation through Kellogg. Um, and so I'm happy to be here. Um, but for me, I mean, I've just born into a heritage of community lit- leaders, uh, community activists. Um, my grandmother was a part of starting uh, Operation Breadbasket, which is known today as Operation Push, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Um, many of my family members were El Rukins, um, uh, which started off as a you know, co- community-type gang in the city of Chicago and manifested into something a little bit different than that. Um, but I just remember at a very young age having um, acorn meetings in the living room and uh, just my family being connected uh, to the community. And what happened to me was that heritage, that pedigree, that lineage um, merged um, with my faith. Um, I came to faith in 2001 and I put all those things together uh, that compelled me and moved me to doing, um, you know, meaningful work, uh, which eventually landed me in full time ministry and now has me just in the nonprofit world. Right. Now, talk a little bit about what you do at, at Good News Partners, because I was visiting the website um, and I love the um, what you guys do. But I'll, I'll let you you speak to it, because I know this is a labor of love. And- yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a 41 year old startup for the most part. Um, for many, many years, there's been an amazing mission to end and pulverize homelessness in the city of Chicago. Um, alongside that should have been a business model to keep it sustainable um, 
throughout years. And they've done a pretty good job of doing it. But, you know, things are changing and nonprofits are in ICU. And um, I took it over. We are in ICU, just just in some triage. But basically, we provide affordable housing to a group of people who would otherwise be on the street. When you say in ICU, from a from a funding perspective, yeah, for, yeah, funding, from a funding yeah, perspective, that's what I assume. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I will say just strategic plot processes and and uh, plans as well too. Just you couldn't see the future. Uh, it was very murky. Um, so can I do a quick plug there yep. for a second for those who've never served on? Nonprofit board. So again, this is one of the things I just want to do on the show is, is, or in these episodes is a lot of times we think about, um, again, actionable insights. A lot of times we think, well, what can I do to help? I can't do anything to the election process on and so forth. So we have, um, organizations such as these attempt serving on where he's using his abilities to affect change in areas, right? A lot of times you have, um, uh, volunteer gaps where yeah. people could come in and help raise money and do different things. Those are gaps you can fill right. real time, right? So if right. you go to their website, for example, Good News Partners, right? And you want to know what to do, you can pick up the phone. You can make an actual donation and or they will probably take in-kind services. No doubt. Okay. In-kind services, for those who don't uh, not familiar with that term, means you could donate something you do, whether it's what you do as an individual business owner or something like that to contribute to their work. So I just wanted to give that quick No, plug. I appreciate that. Yeah. Mental health professionals, beauticians, barbers, financial literacy, computer literacy. Uh, of course, checks are always welcome. But yeah, this is a group of people who would otherwise be homeless. Our rents are set at 30 to 50 percent below market rate. Uh, which is, you know, a miracle in the city of Chicago and any uh, parts of urban America to find rent set at 30 to 50 percent below market rate. So we have about 10 buildings in our portfolio. We have a 36 bed shelter for women and children. Um, a man can only be a part of the shelter if he's connected to a family unit. We have a 70 unit single room occupancy building, 10 by 10, 10 by 14 room. You share a toilet in a shower with the individual next door to you, whether you get along with him or not. I always tell people, if you have anybody in your life, any children, any young adults having a difficult time with gratitude and and and, and thanksgiving, let them hang out with me for a week. It will turn your life around on what really matters. That idea about you needing a brown, tan, taupe, uh, belt, no, you don't need all those. You know, this this thing will shape what really matters in life. And so um, and then in addition to those two units, we just have about uh, just eight other affordable housing units, our largest being a 27 bed, uh, 27 unit building. And we're just looking to just fill the need. Yeah. What what's the uh, contextually to since you, you you know, you can speak to what what's the population in need in Chicago? How, how big? I know it's big. Yeah. So in regards to the. The people that we serve, the homeless community, about 84,000 people a year in the city of Chicago become homeless in some way, shape, form or fashion. And so, yeah, we just we just help people um, transition. That's what it really is, James, because it's not normal people, air quotes, are going through this situation where the what they bring home and what their landlord is asking them to pay there is a variance, a large variance that's created where you have, in air quotes, normal people who are losing their home and needing our services. It's no longer those people that we just traditionally see as homeless with some type of hurt, habit, or hang-up. These are just matriculated through universities. Medical bills got on top of them. 
um, lost a job, lost a loved one and couldn't rebound from that. Mental health. So you're seeing the frequency of need increase? Oh, for sure. Okay. The, I, yeah, when did, it, did, 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 you, did you notice when it started increasing? You know what? So I wasn't in the business at that time, but I know what's going on in the community. Um, I know what's happened economically often happens double time to those who are already in financial needs. I, Illinois has the highest unemployment for African-Americans. A lot of people want to know, you know, what's the difference between the violence in the city of Chicago and Los Angeles and New York who have more people? Why is it so frequent here? Well, people are poor. People are broke. People are angry. And, um, and it's the highest in the nation when you look at those statistics. So. So then on the other side of that, you know, you, you do, you know, miraculous work there. This is, like I said, labor of love people. I, I just have so much admiration, respect for, and thank you uh, for your service in that regard. Cause th- th- that's just tough work. Uh, but then you go and you inspire people and motivate people uh, beyond that on yeah. your, uh, I am Tim Jones work. So talk yeah. a little bit about what you do in, in that regard. Yeah. So, you know, I launched this, this idea, this mantra just years ago, I just got tired of the alternative to motivation and inspiring and, and being optimistic. The alternative is, is meek, is bleak, is murky. And I just got tired of uh, thinking about the future and being sad. And so I just wanted to create a new reality. And we do that through our words and our words create our future for us. And once I got that, I started speaking differently. And then I say, wait, this working for me. I wonder if it could work for individuals and then organizations. And so I started and stopped because I felt like, you know, people were thinking like, who's he think he is? He wants to be somebody's life coach. He, all he has is a, a business, a bachelor's of science from Northern Illinois University. And so I just got in my head what Brene Brown is uh, calls gremlins. I just started listening to those gremlins and I just pulled back and was like, yeah, maybe I'm not supposed to be trying to inspire people and motivate people. And then I just got tired again. I was like, you know what? There is something on the inside of me. I am tired of suppressing it. I'm going to ex- I'm going to do this exercise in reverse suppression. I'm going to get it all out. And I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. And I'm going to see who's going to be inspired, who's going to be developed. Um and that's where I've been for the for for many years. I mean, I mean 2007, I was handing out my motivational talks over hip hop instrumentals. Outside of like, you know, where we have the Hair Washington Cultural Center where all of cultural plays and performances take place. And I was handing them whoever would take them. <laughs> so you've been doing this for a second. Hustling. So, so as a part of your journey, were there, um, you know, certain inflection points? Because, you know, we all have, a, 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 I like to say, an interesting journey, right? And a lot of times people see the finished work. Yeah. But they don't see some of the, the pain along the way, the dips and the, the yeah. hills and valleys. Any any particular points that you think about and experiences that, that help shape this and bring it to, I, together? I love, I love this question. You, you um, shared it with me earlier, but when I transitioned from the corporate world to, you know, what we call full-time ministry, nonprofit world, um, I thought I was always going to be at this one place, this first nonprofit, this uh, religious institution that I was at. And then I just had a conversation with my boss one day where he made it clear to me that if I couldn't handle a particular situation better, then they would think they, I would have to think about a new place for me. And I was like, well, I'm thinking in my head, like, this is the place for me. This is where I want to be. I love being here. I love the work. They're going to drag me out of here. And um, that's when I had to realize that my future, the compelling future that I had for myself 
I couldn't place that in any institution's hand. I couldn't place that in any individual's hand. And even after leaving there, I still felt this, like the voice mentality where, you know, I'm performing and their backs are turned, but they're going to see me coming in late, getting in early, providing a perspective um, different from the ex, uh, providing a context different from the expectation. And they're going to hit that button, turn around and pick me. And nobody ever turned around. Hmm. I was just coming in early, staying late for myself. And, um, and it should have been for myself. But I gave people the power that they never should have had to promote me and elevate me. And then that's when I just got into gear and got into motion. Um, yeah. One of those experiences of, uh, yeah, re- realizing you had to take the power back. Yeah. Yeah. And it was unfair for me to expect that of them. So now that you're working with, um, you know, Good News Partners, as well as your I Am Tim Jones piece and, and helping folks out, as you think about personal leadership development, um, what do you do to kind of keep yourself motivated? Because in a job like that, right. you know, and I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, you know, I always say, you know, um, you're trying to keep your, your own cup full. Right. And you're pouring out to people all day. Yeah. Right. And, and by the time the day's over, you could be on empty. Right. What do you yeah. do to keep yourself motivated to stay and keep your mind in the right space? What are some of the habits that you have uh, to help, you know, keep yourself there, so to speak, keep yourself fueled up? I think. I mean, I'm a man of faith. So 20, my first 20 minutes of the day are devoted to prayer and, and meditation. Those are non-negotiables to me. Uh, I work out a couple times a week. I monitor what goes into my body. I'm not a big eater. You can look at me, man. You could. <laughs> I'm about 155 wet, soaking wet, holding a, a box of uh, rocks. Um, but so I just try to just just focus um on what i'm placing into my body i have a read watch listen list i don't disseminate from those things over the past six months i have completely unplugged from reading and watching the news i know that's crazy considering the times that we're in but it was disturbing my energy i was angry um watching the latest um the news cycle whether it was local being in the city and what's going on here in the city of chicago or what's going on nationally in D.C., um, it was just draining to me. And so I decided, this is just six months old, that isolation was better than information Hmm. for the first time in my life because I'm an informationalist. I needed to to speak and to to be an orator. Did you feel a change? Oh, I I am the happiest. (laughs) My energy is the best that it's ever been. And I'm not, there's no external stimuli that's providing that. You know what I mean? And um, I just feel great about it. And um, I just need that energy. I need that energy. I'm a father. I have a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. They don't need a mad dad around them. Um, I needed to be compassionate and and attend to their needs. Um, But overall, just those 20 minutes in the morning are non-negotiable. And then I just assigned some other non-negotiables to my life, too, that I was only going to be associated with folks who were comfortable being their most authentic self and felt comfortable showing their most authentic self as often as possible. You can't be around me if you, that's not how you want to roll, because that's how I roll. When you, um, you know, um, some of those books and, and literature, if you, if, if you, if you yeah. uh, don't mind, I always like to, to ask folks, you know, maybe a couple of your favorite reads, you yeah. know, if folks are listening and taking notes and uh, two or three books yeah. that you recommend often. Yeah. I, um, there's a book by Bishop T.D. Jakes called He Motions. Probably not even, a, it ain't even one of his best books, but when you talk, want to know the wiring 
of a man. And this is, you don't even have to be a man of faith. But I read that book one summer as a young adult. And it just, it gave me a lot of answers that I didn't get because I didn't have a father growing up. I didn't have respectable men around me to learn from. And that just provided a context that I never knew was possible. Um, all, of Mac- all of Malcolm Gladwell stuff. Outliers is my favorite. Blink is, is right behind it. Um, I listen a lot, too. So I, TED Talks, mentioned Tim Ferriss a moment ago, Offline, anything Tony Robbins. Um, about race and culture, um, Tadahisi Coates is one of my favorites. Um, and so, yeah, those are some of the things that I listen to uh, that are on my watch list. One of my favorite websites is uh, 99percent.com. It's just a creativity, productivity space. And um, I, I read their content. They don't have a lot of good videos, some videos, but the 99% is, is a pretty cool, pretty cool um I think it's just for creative, so I'm sneaking in. I'm not even supposed to be on their <laughs> website. It's for creators, designers. So, so one of the things you know we want to do is make sure again people know how to get in contact with you uh, if they want to get you for speaking events. Is it IamTimJones.com? Is that the best way to get? That's to That's the best way to get to me. Probably ninety percent of my opportunities, James, come through social media. Whether it's Instagram, IamTimJones.com is my Instagram. Um, Facebook is Tim Jones course linkedin timothy jones and my twitter is i am timo jones tim was taken so i went to my spanish <laughs> roots and grabbed timo and and if they want to help with uh good news partners yeah goodnewspartners.org um we're getting ready to put a put a dent in homelessness in the city yes. of chicago so the website is the best way and for good news partners i i think what i saw is the organization's been there 40 years yeah yeah 40 years. Yeah, and they're in a neighborhood that's probably the tiniest, poorest neighborhood in the country, the North of Howard neighborhood. So, and it's just, they just haven't been able to get over that. It's weird to me, James, because I grew up in West Inglewood, which is also an at-risk neighborhood, but they look and feel like the 90s in Inglewood. Inglewood is changing, slowly but surely, but it's moving towards the future. The North of Howard area, the open air drug dealing, the open air dice games, um, the loud music, the just people being out with no hope in sight is just present. And and we're in the midst of it. Why do you think that is? I think it's a part of just that urban America dynamic of yeah. just yeah. the lost, the least. And, you know, we don't have time for that. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's interesting because uh, well, I don't know if it's interesting, but um, I recently was doing some research, and and uh, years ago I used to look at the um, the budget in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I would pull these reports, and you would pull um, these reports and try to look at different things. And one of the things you'd pull is the the budget for the city, and then it'd be the ask from the prison system, mm-hmm. and it would the ask would be based on competency scores. Of mm. kids in school, right? Yeah, and they right. want more money based on uh, lack of competency, right. math, reading, and science, right? And you're looking at these things, and basically, it's almost like a you know self fulfilling prophecy. You're saying because these kids are failing, we'll have to build more prisons, right? And you just part of it, you can't help it. If you if you're in the data, you go hmm. So if that's the case, and we're expecting them to fail, at some point, do I stop investing in right. it? Right. Um, so you do that, and then you you go into um, you know, I lived here for three years mm-hmm. in Chicago, uh, in Philadelphia, um, uh, it's the same issue. You drive into certain areas and you can look into the eyes of an eight year old, 10 year old 
and there's no hope. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you say, well, how does this persist? Right. Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, and you just ask the questions, right? Yeah. Is it, is it us as the elder uh, African-Americans or senior most and the statesmen? Is it lack of uh, proper policing or whatever? And I'm not, Cast any aspersions. Sure, You're sure. just asking questions, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think we all want to try to figure that out. And that's some of the things we want to do uh, on this program is invite more folks on who have some of those things, but most importantly, inspire people listening to the program to ask those questions and make calls to figure out how to get involved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So minimally to, to call folks like you right. at Good News Partners to say, well, look, at least we know there's an institution like yours who helping homeless people. Mm-hmm. Not be homeless, right? right? At least there's other organizations like Operation Push who does X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, so not, you know, so folks don't just get frustrated and keep watching news cycles, right? Which elevate your frustration, right? That's right. <laughs> From news cycle to news cycle. That's right. Right. Yeah, the disinvestment. Um, I mean, if you don't manage anything, James, the root word of manage is age. Mm-hmm. If you're not managing it well, it's not going to age well. Right. Our money our bodies, our communities, and we just have done a, a poor job of managing these neighborhoods, particularly because they're black and brown neighborhoods and, mm-hmm. you know, we know the history of our country. But that's what happens, man, and it's, and it's no fault of those people. Right. Um, to a certain degree. To a certain degree. Because I, I do like to hold people accountable for their decision making. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a part of a bigger conversation that we're going to continue to have. Um, again, this, this, the threads we try to talk about in this program are uh, people leadership development, mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneurship, and social justice. And a lot of times when people think about social justice, they think about the last news cycle and a bad interaction between police and black and brown folks, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. social justice has such a broad definition. Yeah. Education falls underneath it, public service, yeah. housing, housing, for sure. All those things, right? And so when education, public education is not being uh, administered, that's a social justice issue, yep. right? So all those things we've got to uh, look into and bring folks on here who can help. To that point, uh, yep. I loved in the show with this question, you know, who who do you know that you think we should know? So someone else uh, you think we should have on this program that the audience can benefit from education or knowledge such like yours, yeah. uh, who they'd benefit from. Yeah. So he's a peer of mine in the city of Chicago. His name is Jeff Beckham. Um, Jeff Beckham is the founder of uh, black box creative and um, they help businesses activate their brand online. That's his, um, that's what he created. In addition to that, James is just all about, leveling the playing field for black and brown students in the city of Chicago. He works closely with the 100 black men in Chicago, and uh, he's just a proponent of leadership development for the now and next generation. And he does it through technology. Um, But he's a sharp uh, young brother. Thank you so much, Mr. Tim Jones, for spending a few minutes with us today. Thank you for linking up with me for another episode. You are informed, empowered, and now you can be accountable. To recap a couple of Tim's points. One, the needs around us relative to those in disadvantaged positions. And in this specific case, the homeless are great and continue to persist. Good News Partners cares for approximately 500 people in Chicago, but many more need assistance. If you want to make an impact within that community, there are several ways to do it. One, voluntary donations. Two, volunteerism. Three, in-kind services. You can go to goodnewspartners.org. Again, that's goodnewspartners.org if you want to help. 
His second thing was around career life and a journey. And he talked about his own story and the realization that it cannot be placed in any organization's hands. We as individuals must own our futures. And this lines up with what he does as a motivational, inspirational and leadership speaker. If you're interested in working with him, having him come out and visit, you can go to IamTimJones.com and he will certainly make himself available to you. More details around reaching him will be in the show notes on our website. And I know you love to hear me say it. Overall, nothing else has changed. If you find this podcast to be of value, please subscribe, rate, and review. This program is about empowering you through awareness and actual insight in the areas of personal and leadership development, entrepreneurship, and social justice, in particular, education. As you listen to these podcasts, you're going to hear some things that you may have never heard before. Terminology, you're hearing for the first time, and all those things are good. I'm here to serve. Go to the website, thecorelinksolution.com, and right below the show notes for each episode, you'll see a comment section. You can use it to ask your questions, mention challenges you face in the areas I mentioned, and tell me what other guests you may want to hear from. Thank you so much for linking up, and I'll see you next episode. Until then, be informed, be empowered, be accountable.